0: When Isabella was growing up, she made a picture book. It was full of words and drawings, and it gave examples of some of the fun things you can do in life.
1: This girl is taking her dog for a walk. This girl is playing in the sun. This girl is jumping on a trampoline. This girl has a collection of fire ants.
0: That's Isabella, reading about some common and not-so-common pastimes. I'm Dan Meisner, and this... This is Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids. Hello! How are you doing? Boy, oh boy! This is a show where we go back in time to remember the good, the bad, and the awkward parts of growing up. This time, recorded live at Fromagerie Elgin in Sudbury, Ontario, we have love letters set in the future, an angsty song about a personal pan pizza, and a mournful diary entry about the death of Napster. This stuff is weird, it is wonderful, and, like a collection of fire ants, it's worth paying close attention to. So think about the stuff you wrote when you were a kid, and stick around. A minute ago, we heard from Isabella, who shared a short story about a girl who collected fire ants. But that wasn't the only thing Isabella brought to our Sudbury show.
1: Um, next I have for you the first letter I ever penned. This must have been in grade one. So, dear Paolo, please come to my house sometime on the weekend. We can go to Walmart. We can buy some new toys. We deserve it. Love, your cousin, Isabella. So two years later, my mom would buy me a diary, which I would try and write in every night. and. Here is the first entry in my first diary. Dear diary, tomorrow I dread and look forward to. The bad parts are I have to bring a fruit in my lunch. I hate fruit. And we have a small geometry quiz. The good part is I get to go swimming, and that means I get to take a shower. I hope tomorrow is hot. Like, maybe 16 degrees to 19 degrees Celsius. Well, that's what I want it to be, because I want to wear capris and a T-shirt. The end. A couple days later, um, I am fed up with these two people in my class. My friend and I agree we'll make up a chart of nicknames, we call them. I'm going to make a list on the other page. So, I have a nice T-chart of... The names I called the boy I hated. Sir (laughs) Cramps-a-Lot. Humorless Mino, (laughs) Mister I think I'm so fast and so smart. (laughs) Uh, The second column is my arch nemesis at the time, a girl I disliked. I used to call her Show-Off Head. (laughs) Bossy Boss. Friendless person and Miss, I Can Count Fractions. And then years later, another diary, which was written probably in about grade five. Um, today there was a new cl- kid in my class. I had to help her get all of her stuff ready. I skipped Friday and Saturday, so I'll let you know what happened. I went rollerblading and wiped out going down a hill. I practically broke my butt. (laughs) Then I went to a party, in brackets, with Gatorade. (laughs) Good night.
0: In a lot of ways, I think that is the central question of growing up. We're all trying to figure out who we are, where we belong, and how to express ourselves to the rest of the world. When our next reader, Kayla, was 13, a big part of her identity had to do with music. And as you'll hear, Kayla had some pretty strong musical tastes and opinions growing up. We're going to hear some diary entries that she describes as planting the seeds of hipsterdom, written at 13 years old. Please welcome Kayla to our stage. (laughs) A quick heads up, Kayla uses a few cuss words in her diary, which we do not bleep.
2: Okay, so yes, uh, two pieces of context, I guess, for this. One, I did consider myself very precocious when it came to music, and this contradictory fact that I was also really into the new metal band Korn, um, which is important for this first entry, yeah. (laughs) Uh, May 5th, uh, 2000. Dear Journal, howdy ho. Guess what I'm having for dinner tonight? Corn on the cob. LOL. But seriously, I really am having corn on the cob tonight. (laughs) I also downloaded Napster, and I've been downloading MP3s like crazy. Ugh, Hanson is on much music right now. Gig me with a spoon. Well, nothing else to write, but maybe I will come back to write something later when my brilliant mind comes up with some more brilliant thoughts. <laughs> Dear Diary, <laughs> I downloaded a really cool song today. It's called Mambo Number Five. <laughs> I forget who it's by, though. Well, good night. <laughs> Dear Diary, <sighs> I swear my friends need to get with the program. They've only heard Mambo number 5 recently. <laughs> Losers, eh? <sighs> I have heard of that song a while ago. Oh well, I rock. I'm ve- <laughs> I am very conceited today. I don't mean to, it's just the way I'm feeling. <laughs> um, dear journal. I can't believe it. I just fucking can't believe it. On Friday, July 28th, 2000, Napster. My beloved Napster is being shut down. You fucking bastards. <laughs> fuck the government. <laughs> fuck Dr. Dre. <laughs> fuck Metallica. <laughs> fuck Christina Aguilera. And fuck Sarah McLaughlin. Why? I don't see anything wrong with Napster. And I'm not the only one. Limp Biscuit, thank God. Cypress Hill and Elwood all love Napster. I can't believe it, it's really not fair. People who love music use Napster for a greater, le- greater level of enjoyment. I wish they would understand. All everybody is worried about is money. Money isn't everything, you know. Dear Journal, <laughs> June 30th. Yes, Napster is gonna stay on until the appeal is over. Right on. This makes me so happy. There was a guy who made this comment on the internet. Everybody wants a CD, but not all can afford it. I want a Porsche, but can't afford it, so it doesn't mean I go down to my local car car dealership and steal. In my opinion, it would be more like, I can't afford it, so I will just borrow it from my friend and take it for a little spin. That's how I think about it. So right on to all the fans that support Napster. Long live the MP3. (laughs)
0: Ah, youthful entitlement. (laughs) One of my favorite things about doing live Grown Ups Rethinks They Wrote As Kids shows is getting to meet all of the readers and hearing the stories behind the writing that gets shared on stage. And Sometimes the story of how somebody managed to dig up their childhood or teenage writing is just as interesting as the story itself. Our next reader, Matthew, he's a writer and a fairly accomplished one. He's a published novelist, he's been a playwright in residence, but at our Sudbury show, Matthew brought a piece of his early work, a short story he wrote when he was eight. And Matthew showed me uh, a copy of this story earlier and it was originally typed up on a Commodore 64. (laughs) And in order to read it tonight, he had to boot up the Commodore 64 and with his phone take pictures of the screen because he couldn't print it out. Please welcome Matthew to the Grown-Up Street Thinks They Wrote His Kids stage.
3: So there's no context I can give you that will help you understand this. Except to say a GT, a GT snow racer were the sleds that we... Yes. Okay. And a snow fox was a much less cool version of a GT. This is called the Crescent Knight. With a K. Um. The night was filled with mist. The gravedigger locked the gates. As he left, a hand of bones pushed away the dirt and mud from its grave. Chapter (laughs) 2. The next day, the snow started falling. Caitlin and Ian were bragging how good their Halloween stuff was, while deep inside, Matthew felt they suck. Caitlin started saying Matthew's older brother Warren had a hunk of junk for a GT, and her snow fox was better. Josh kicked Caitlin's snow fox, it fell apart. Josh and Matthew screamed with laughter. Richard said the jump was ready. Chapter (laughs) 3. It was getting late and too tired to notice Warren and Matthew didn't see the giant armored knight with grave mud all over its armor creep towards the house. Chapter (laughs) 4. Matthew was awakened by heavy breathing. He looked up to meet eyes with a crescent knight his heart pounding Matthew reached for the phone to call his buddies for he knew he would need help chapter (laughs) 5 Matthew put down the phone and felt a little bit of hope then he looked into the red dark eyes it made him want to scream he pushed Warren who mumbled put everything down on the pillow (laughs) knowing Warren was in a dream Matthew kicked him (laughs) and then looked up there was nothing there Chapter 6. In the morning, Matthew, Warren, Caitlin, Ian, Josh, and Richard searched the house for clues, but all they found was mud. Chapter 7. Epilogue. It was Monday. Richard was at his spot that he called Death Cliff. People try to drive by, but never make it because they fall off. It makes a lot of loss of people. You can... You can almost hear the animals laughing. (laughs) The end.
0: As I said, today, Matthew Hady is a published author and playwright. And so I asked him if he sees a connection between his current work and the story he wrote when he was eight. Um, I hope not. I hope that there's no connection, that no one would ever be able to recognize me between those two. But on further reflection, Matthew told me that some of the themes he wrote about when he was eight are still present in his work today. For instance, Crescent Night, it's all about adventure and a group of close friends.
3: I still carry a lot of our adventure stories with me. And I think probably everything that I'm writing now is trying to capture some sense of that fantasy that we had when we were kids. The other thing I'll say is at the end of the story I mentioned Death Cliff. Richard was at his spot that he called Death Cliff. uh, Which is, uh, I think, a parallel for Dead Man's Canyon, which is this little site. I'm looking at it right now through my window. It's this little canyon up the hill from uh, the house where I grew up. and It was a place we weren't supposed to go that we were fascinated by. And the weird thing is, the novel I'm working on right now is all about... Dead Man's Canyon and something. thinking oh my god I'm plagiarizing myself I'm 7 or 8 years old I'm writing about the same thing
0: When Jessica was a teenager, she went on a year-long exchange trip to England, and while she was there, she fell in love with a guy named Nick. At the end of her exchange, Jessica moved back to Canada, and she was feeling really conflicted. Part of her wanted to return to England to be with her boyfriend, but at the same time, she knew that would be complicated. So she was faced with this choice, stay in Canada or move back to England to be with Nick. And as a way to work through that choice and help her decide, Jessica tried a writing exercise. She sat down and wrote to Nick, imagining the kind of letter that she'd write to him in five years' time if she decided to follow her heart. And then she wrote what she imagined Nick would write back to her. You got that? You with me? These are love letters set in an imagined world five years in the future where Jessica decided to pack up and leave her family and friends behind. These were written and never sent, which is why we get to hear them tonight. Please welcome Jess to our stage. A quick heads up, Jessica uses a cuss word in these letters, which we do not believe.
4: So I wrote him a letter, and then... I wrote his response to me (laughs) myself. Dear Nick, we've spent, crossed out, lived, almost all of our relationship through letters. I've become accustomed to communicating to you in this fashion. And now that you're sitting in the other room watching cheesy sitcoms, this is the only way that I can think of telling you that I'm leaving. Five years ago, I chose you over my family, my friends, and a million dreams. I'm not holding you responsible. I was aware of the risk that I was taking. But right now, all that I can think of is going home and pursuing my dreams. I'm sorry that I couldn't be the woman that I thought that I was. I'm sorry that you're not the man that I wanted you to be. (laughs) I wish you all the best in your life. (laughs) I will always remember why I came here. And that was something that I had to do. But now I have to leave. I still love you. That was nothing to do with why I'm leaving. I just need to be me. Love, Jess. Sign X. Response written by me. (laughs) Dear Jessica, (laughs) I know you will never get this letter. I need to get a few things off my mind. Why didn't you talk to me about this? I thought you knew me well enough to tell me what you were thinking. I've always said that you should pursue your dreams, and I've always said that I would wait for you. So do me a favor and don't use that as your fucking excuse. I'm mad. I'm mad that you ran away from your problems. (laughs) This made me realize that you ran away from your problems when you came here in the first place. Don't blame me that you failed your last year of high school. (laughs) I never asked you, (laughs) I never asked you over here. Yes, I wanted to be with you, but only when you were ready. The thing that strikes me the most about these letters is that I wrote his response for him. I continue to make this mistake, which is why it's so funny to me. I predict the other person's response and act as if what I think they think is reality. And my advice to a younger me would be to let people be themselves without trying to narrate for them. There's no way that we can imagine what other people are thinking. And although inferencing is a great critical thinking tool, I should try my best to let my loved ones be their own people and listen to what they actually say and do and not worry so much about what I think they think.
0: Earlier in the show, we heard from Kayla lamenting the death of Napster, and music was a recurring theme throughout our Sudbury event. Our next reader, Sean, is going to share with us something he wrote in seventh grade. This is the very first song he ever wrote. Please welcome Sean to our stage.
5: Hi. um, So just a bit of context. So I really wanted to be the lead role in my eighth grade play, but I didn't know what a monologue was, so I was like, I'll write a song and perform it, and that will be my monologue. So uh, (laughs) this is my monologue leading into the song. Okay, so hello, my name is Richard Sadface. My friends call me Cobra Eyes, and I'm in a band called The Oven Touchers. Um, This band of mine is a new music revolution with our meaningful lyrics like our song My Love Is Like Pizza and a salute to old people. (laughs) I play bass and then it says in parentheses start to pretend to cry. Uh, Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) I don't like talking about my music. It's just so hard. Um, anyway i 'm all right now i 'll try and play you my song, so then I would hit play on the CD player beow, 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 beow. and i don 't remember the the, the melody i 'm really sorry so i 'm just going to read the lyrics, so my love is like a personal pan pizza My heart is the toppings. My clothes are symbolized through the red toppers bag it comes in. So go ahead and take a bite out of my love. I'd expect something like that from you, lonely you, pitiful you, lonely pitiful you. This pizza is a lot like me. It's shallow and has too much cheese. But I'll still eat it because pizza is good. And then here's the refrain. So go ahead and take a bite out of my love because my love is like pizza, but it doesn't come with breadsticks or dipping sauce. Thank you. That was my song.
0: Sean of the Oven Touchers, ladies and gentlemen. When I was a kid, I was smack dab in the middle of the Target market for Ghostbusters. I watched the Ghostbusters movies. I had the action figures. I loved the cartoon television series. And it turns out I wasn't the only one. Our next reader, Taryn, brought a number of diary entries to our Sudbury show. The first few are from when she was seven. And the next set is from high school. Please welcome to the Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids stage, Taryn. Taryn. Just a heads up, in her high school diary entries, Taryn refers to people by their first initial rather than their full name. But first, here are Taryn's diary entries from when she was seven.
6: January 4th, 1989. Andrea came over. Noni babysat us. Auntie Dina came over. Noni did her hair. I love Egon. So Egon is a Ghostbuster, in case you don't know. January 10th, I was sick. We played school at home. I love Egon. (laughs) January 16th, we went to the Wolves play. We we went to see the Wolves play hockey. I love Egon. (laughs) January 19th, we played handball. It was a tie. I love Egon. (laughs) February 22nd, we went to gym. Lisa made a club. I'm in it. I will be gone. <laughs> and then just for the next two entries, um, something to keep in mind while you're listening to the next one. I w- went to Catholic high school, and um, so we were pretty, so friends I hang out with were pretty kind of preppy and square in a way, so just keep that in mind for the next entry. August 21st, 99. At about 9 p.m., I went over to C's house because it was her 17th birthday. Then we went downtown in the parking lot across from the dark room. We hung out with a couple of other people for a while. Then we went to a punk show. (laughs) Yes, a punk show. I didn't even know what that was. They said that people just dance and there's a live band. But when we went, there was red lights people slamming and pushing into other people. There was a guy with a really high mohawk. I thought this was the funniest thing I ever saw. Everyone bumping into each other like that. We just watched and we left after five minutes. Crazy. (laughs) And finally January 16th, 2000. Many things have come about since my return to school. A lot of emotions are left hanging in the air and I don't know which one to grab and put into my heart. (laughs) Ever since A's suggestion about R liking me on Tuesday, after Jim, I think I like him now too. And what about Jay? Well, I guess I will follow through on my New Year's resolution to try to get over him. And then there was also the pact that the seven of us at, New, at the New Year's party, are going to all get hooked up this year. I don't know for sure, but the way it looks, it's starting off on the right foot. <laughs> K, K was the first start, since her and Emma are already hitting it off. Now about me, I think I'm going to absolutely kill A, because now I kinda like R. I wanna cry, this is gotta be the most confusing time of my life. <laughs> Trying to figure out if R really does like me and whether or not I like Jay better. It's confusing, but I think I really I rather like R. <laughs>
2: Thank you.
0: Darren, ladies and gentlemen. That is grownups Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids. Our show was recorded live at Fromagerie Elgin in Sudbury, Ontario and produced by Jenna Meisner. Olivia Nashmi is our associate producer. Our music is by Poddington Bear and Lullatone. And our closing theme is Oh Dear Diary by Sloan. Now that you've heard Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids, why not watch it? too. You can see videos of every reader at our Sudbury show on YouTube. Just search for Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids. We also post videos to Facebook. Again, just search for Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids. I'm Dan Meisner. Thanks for listening.